Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Kia ora and welcome to Artcast Aotearoa. This is a podcast supported by Creative New Zealand's international program, which looks at current issues and trends facing artists and those working in the arts through a global lens. This series features conversations with international and local artists as we discuss and try to uncover some understanding about a range of issues that artists are currently facing. Ko Timbe Taku Ingoa. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and producer here in Tamaki Makoto, Auckland. For these first few episodes, I'll be chatting with some artists and art practitioners about the climate crisis, how artists can engage with this overwhelming topic, and how practitioners can empower themselves to make a difference. Today, I'm speaking with Australian writer, theatre maker, and sustainability consultant Christian Taylor, who is part of Sustainable Theatres Australia. Enjoy. Christian, thank you very much for talking to me. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing really well. How are you, Tim? I'm good, thank you. Now, we haven't met before. Um, so no, never. First off, let me uh, ask you a couple of questions, make sure the bio that I've got for you is correct. You live in Melbourne? Sure. Correct. Uh, triple threat, quadruple threat, a multiple threat. You're an actor, writer, producer, theatre practitioner. You've got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in theatre practice, and right now you're studying towards a Master's of Environment at University of Melbourne. Is that correct so far? Yes, I lost track there, but if that's four, then we'll go with quadruple threat. <laughs> yeah. It also says in your bio that you uh, your creative practice centres on climate change and its psychosocial ramifications. I'm very interested in that. Yeah, do you like that buzzword? Yeah, well, I've got some ideas about maybe what it means, but I would love for you to tell us all, what exactly is that about? I think one of the things that traditionally we think about when we think about climate change, obviously, is the uh, biophysical consequences, so the things that will happen to our ecosystems, our forests and our oceans, and even then, kind of one step from that, you look into like food supply and water supply and weather natural disasters but there's a next step to that and it's what all of those things accumulatively uh and how they impact the human systems um and how they impact our lifestyles how they impact our mental health civil stability all of those things climate change is one of those things particularly that affects the most vulnerable first so it's quite important to consider the social aspect um, of climate change and take that into consideration. One of the most or easiest examples, I guess, is you think about the rise in younger generations of this thing called eco-anxiety where they're transfixed and they can't stop thinking about the state of the planet and the way it's heading and how helpless that makes them feel. And it's a very real uh, lived experience for those people. And it's only kind of now just coming to the forefront of psychological research um, but that's one of the, I think that's the one that really caught me when I started looking at climate change. I was like, I felt terrified and I was like, what is going on? And I don't know what to stop. It, it sent me into a little bit of a spiral for at least a few months um, and took a fair bit of work to climb out of. Um, and I think the psychosocial side 
is something that perhaps can be leveraged when we're trying to get people to understand the seriousness of climate change. I mean, I think everyone who thinks about this stuff is really fascinated by this question at the moment of doomerism and being totally arrested by the scale of the problem and seizing up. And so maybe it's helpful for you to speak personally. You uh, saw that happening. Maybe that happened to you as an individual as well, and you decided to engage with it through academic study. Can you talk a little bit about like how you felt then, how you feel now, are you optimistic? Did it help you find some sort of optimism? Or I'm just interested in that personal journey that you've been on with it. Yeah, it was it was hard. I'm not going to lie. I kind of stumbled into climate change as a concept, having very little exposure or knowledge, pre-knowledge about it, through a play I was writing. Um, the play started out as a play about insomnia because I was struggling with that I've been struggling with that for quite a few years. Um, and so it naturally progressed into all of the things that keep me up at night. Ironically, climate change wasn't one of them when I started writing the play, but it very much was by the end. Right. Um, I remember being very much consumed by it. And it's one of the things that spurred me on to really start seeing a psych, which was great. But I remember feeling so helpless and so powerless and feeling like there was no hope because uh, you look at how ingrained these systems are that we live our lives in. You're like, how is this ever going to shift in a meaningful way fast enough to arrest this momentum? Um, and I was really paralyzed by it. I was reading all of this content, consuming all this content obsessively. Everything I tried to write in the couple of years following that around the topic was fairly bleak and I wanted to make other people feel as bleak about it as I was I I thought that might help them like wake up and do something but no one is really spurred to action by despair Mm. despair is an important emotion very integral part of our lived experience and it it plays a, a really big part in processing of trauma and all of that kind of stuff but when it comes to something like this it's a it's a stage you need to move through and I, because I felt so powerless, I was like, this isn't working. I need to do something. I need to give myself the tools and the resources to do something about this, which is why I started my Masters of Environment. And it, it really reinvigorated me. It gave me a sense of control over the situation because that's something that I think you miss a lot when you first come to understand Absolutely. what's going on in the world around us. You don't feel like you have any control. But I realized there is a lot we can control. Um, and that's, yeah, really protecting and looking after those who are going to be impacted most acutely um, because I'm in a position of privilege and I should be able to use that privilege for the good of other people. Well, yeah. let's talk a bit about the organisation that you're part of, um, mm. which is Sustainable Theatres Australia. Can yep. you can you tell me, uh, as far as I know, it kicked off in 2019 and this seems to be um, part of almost a global wave which happened around the time of the first lockdowns when COVID mm. reared up, um, which is interesting because that's uh, not directly linked with climate change whatsoever, but there was this huge catalyzing worldwide event which turned pe- a lot of people's attention to um, mm. to the climate and what's happening. T- tell me a bit about this organisation, um, when it kicked off, who's involved and what, what you folks do. 
Yeah, so it kicked off um, with a group of friends of mine. I originally wasn't, um, I wasn't part of the founding group. Um, some really, really good friends of mine who are all incredible producers, arts administrators, and creatives in their own right, bound together and realized that there was something missing in the arts sector, particularly in the emerging indie arts sector, but also all the way up to main stage. And again, we are talking more theater here, um, but there is a lot of overlap. Yeah, the thing that was missing is education, support, and resources. There's all of these artists who are really passionate about the topic and want to be able to do something, but they don't know how. And the arts are really hamstrung by so many obstacles and adding, attempting to be sustainable on top of that is really, really difficult for a lot of people. So STA, Sustainable Theatres Australia, kind of is jumping into that gap and trying to offer that support as much as possible. Um, so providing resources for young creatives to really green their practice and also start reimagining what their practice can actually be. So not retrofitting sustainability on top, but actually using sustainability as a starting point for a creative vision or project. Um, and then going all the way up to main stage and we're looking longer term into things like consultancy, um, offering our services to other companies who don't have the resources or the manpower to do it. Um, and potentially we can step in and help them understand that there is a lot that sustainability has to cover, like from a business model perspective, but also a lot of then consequences for creative practice and how that works in team collaboration and realization of a vision. So um, that's kind of where STA came in. Um, I can tell you just a very quick plug. We have Clemmie Williams, who's a sound designer extraordinaire. We have Ange Collins, who is marketing producer extraordinaire. Bonnie Dodds, also marketing. Julian Dibley Hall, producer, director, theater maker, and Liv Satchel, who works uh, as a director and a writer, um, and also uh, has a very strong hand in a lot of sponsorships and funding. So that's kind of their backgrounds. They all are incredible, and I was very, very honored to be asked to jump in with them. It's been a really fun ride, and again, this is something that's really invigorated, I think, us, because again, we have we have a sense of control and purpose and agency and it's like wow we can actually make a difference it's small perhaps in the larger scheme of things but this doesn't realistically have a massive impact on climate change but it's something important for artists in general to be able to feel like they have a hand in um I kind of come at it from a different angle and I think this is why I'm so interested in STA as an organization because I feel like, you know, even for me, um, when you start to take action yourself, however small, about these sorts of issues, you get really personally empowered. And I think it then allows you to start calling bullshit out when you see it and stand yep. a bit more on your own two feet to be like, actually, no, nah, you know what, I am eating no red meat now because I heard about, you know, the carbon impact of that. So now I actually feel a little bit stronger to stand on my two feet and go, uh, the oil industry yep. should, does actually need to be held account for what they've done so far. And I feel like yeah, sort of absolutely. that's where STA, you know, are, are coming from that space in a way where you're engaging with storytellers and kind of putting people into a headspace. And then, of course, inviting the public in to share that conversation and those um, those ideas and those feelings about what's going on to sort of disseminate it out into the world. Because you never know what that mm. first domino is that you're 
triggering by creating this this space in theater, right? Yeah, I I don't know whether it's the best analogy, but it's like the gateway drug, you know? Like <laughs> yeah, nice. it's the thing it's the thing that gets you if you can like start enacting more sustainable practice practices in your everyday life and in your career, it starts to reframe the rest of your behavior as well. You start to reconsider everything else that you do. You start to reconsider potentially how you vote. Like, I know this is a weird thing. I think perhaps it's had an impact on how my parents voted. Um, we come from Queensland, were like longtime liberals, um, and then all of the kids kind of like one by one um, started looking into sustainability a little bit more and um, getting compost bins and trying to do by minimal single-use plastics and all this other stuff. And and my parents very quickly jumped on board with all of that. Um, And that fostered a lot of conversations that we had with them. And now they no longer vote liberal. (laughs) That's amazing. But that's also human behavior, right? Like that's how it works. It's interpersonal relationships are always going to be the strongest thing that will drive... um, behavior change yes and so yes, by, by doing these sorts of things even though it may feel like well i don't know yeah it's it, it, i get really wound up about that criticism where um you know people say oh you're bringing you know reusable bags to the supermarket it's a drop in the bucket it's like sure if you want to be disingenuous about it and view that single action in isolation but that's not really ever how it works in the real world that is so much a part yeah. of the context of the person and the conversations they're having. Yeah, and it's about a multi-pronged, in my opinion, it's a multi-pronged approach. You can't do one or the other. Like, you have to get the populace on board and in support for government legislation to stick. Um, so in order to get people on board, those import, those individual actions do play a really big part. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk a bit about the role of art and all of this and artists what do you see let's talk about theater specifically first Mm. let's talk about sta specifically have has sta been um sort of producing or helping people produce work so far that is putting these sorts of ideas out there what have you been finding so far yeah we we just did a case study um with theater works in st kilda here in melbourne sorry theater works is a venue here and they curate a season of work every year. So uh, the view from up here uh, is a local company headed actually by Julian and Liv um, from STA. So it just worked. It just had the timing happened to work out really well. We're like, well, why wouldn't we do both at the same time? So I came in. Julian was directing this particular show. It was called The View From Up Here. And it's this stunning show by Fiona Spitzkowski about... Uh, basically the aftermath of bushfire and a family returning home to the family farm after many, many years apart in the aftermath and trying to reconcile not only their future on this land, but also their own uh, interpersonal dynamics. It's really stunning. And we came in and we're doing a case study. So basically looked at what the show was trying to do. We came in a little bit after the initial creative process had started um, and then just looked at some goals. Basically, what did they want to achieve? What was possible to achieve with the resources, the people, the money, the time they had? Um, and then we tried to track those. Um, we 
actually were quite surprised, which is really nice. Uh, it worked oh, in a good much way. better than I thought. I thought it was going to be much harder than it was. Um, obviously, you're having a person who was myself and Julian and the stage manager, Ash, really push those things and have them on their mind. But once there were these systems were in place, like things like checking into the rehearsal room and noting how you'd made your way there and where you'd come from to track carbon emissions just kind of became habit. Um, so that was really interesting. It's, I think we could have gone more, but we wanted to just make sure that whatever we did, we could achieve it and do it well. Sure. I think that's the other thing is like when you're starting doing this kind of thing, you, you start small. Um, and again, because theater is often so hamstrung, particularly indie theater with resources and everything, you need to make sure that whatever you're trying to do is achievable within your team and it's not going to impact their health mental well-being or safety um at the end of the day it would be great if we could do these things um but it doesn't trump any of that kind of stuff and it also doesn't trump access or inclusion or anything like that i've completely lost track of what your question was tim i'm so sorry (laughs) i went on a a train i was like oh god i thought i I kept talking i'd get it back stay on the train i'm interested to know more about and maybe not in this specific play because as you mentioned um you came in a little bit after it had already kicked off and everybody's getting used to this way of thinking and doing things and capturing the data but t- tell me about more of these specifics around literally what you're doing. So you're measuring the carbon imprint, uh, uh, impact rather of how people are getting themselves to the rehearsal rooms. What other sorts of mm-hmm. data are you capturing and things are you looking at to measure the sustainability so of the production? Yeah. Um, the carbon emissions one is probably a little bit higher level. We were just interested to see if it was possible to do reasonably. Um so basically with that one, we just track their starting location, the destination of the rehearsal, uh, how they made their way there, the distance. Um, and then I've gone away and basically figured out the rough estimate of the carbon emissions for the total travel. And without taking um, away from your great work, that's not like the hardest thing in the world to do, right? You jump on Google Maps to uh, figure out how little, many Ks it is and you can sort of... There's a little bit of work. I had to make a Excel spreadsheet with some decently... <laughs> complicated formulas right. i'm not the i'm not an excel wizard that's probably a simpler way to do it um but just to make it easier as we just input everything because there's multiple modes of transport each one has a different type of uh different carbon intensity mm-hmm. um the ways in which they came often varied it wasn't always exactly the same but yeah once we got that up and running it wasn't particularly hard which is great um so we're currently working on a template sda is working on a template that we can just give right um and hopefully is like makes it really easy for anyone to do it themselves um so yeah we're looking at that uh we made a couple of other goals like we tried to get rid of i think it was 90 percent of all tape because tape is used a lot right it's just kind of like oh something's not quite right just put some tape on it um i remember going through a show years and years ago where we at the end of the bump out, we had a ball about this big and we played soccer with it. It's just like, it's, we didn't For everybody listening, Christian has made a soccer ball sized gesture with his hands. Yeah, it was bigger than my head. So we just said, hey, let's not use tape. And we didn't, which is awesome. We tried to make sure that 80% of the materials we sourced 
were either recycled or repurposed from another destination or were secondhand, so we weren't buying anything new. And then 80% of materials were sent to be repurposed or recycled at the end of the show as well. Um, it's one of the difficult things with bump outs is everyone wants to get out of there, you just mm. dump it in a bin and you walk. But we were really purposeful about what we used, so we knew that it could go and have a further life. Well, that's really um, interesting, right? Because I imagine you have probably, I'm not sure if you've been in conversation with Patty Dillon, who developed the, um, the Theatre Green Book in the UK. Um, I have, yes. Yeah, right. I was just watching some interviews with him, and it was so fascinating to hear him talk about if you are designing a process from the outset where you know that you're using reusable materials and there is a plan for these things to go on to have the next you know, journey of that material's life after the fact... It's it, it it's I guess it just speaks to the holistic nature of how you've got to approach these things a bit, right? You can't come in halfway through and go, okay, now it's going to be sustainable. You sort of have to be there from the jump, but it doesn't have to be as hard as people might think. Absolutely, it takes um, an understanding of where it's going to like before you even source your materials or you think about your set design. Think about where it's all going to go. Um, like we managed to find because obviously it's set in this particular show was set in the aftermath of bushfire so it's all everything's black um black into ash and dirt and we're like oh what are we going to use like if we get dirt and have to dye it black or anything like that it's not going to be great we managed to find recycled rubber tires oh. that have been used on a previous show and they're shredded up so if as soon as you're like i don't know if you're not looking at it right up close then it looks like blackened like crumbly dirt and ash it's amazing um and it'd been on a previous show so we grabbed it used it and then we gave it back amazing basically just borrowed yeah it's really quite smart and then the set design was made from recycled timber and was made in a way that it could be dismantled and that timber then be reused um so nothing was like broken and chucked in a bin I mentioned um, the Theatre Green Book, if it's cool. I know it's not, you didn't make it, but could you tell us a bit about what that is? Uh, Theatre Green Book, Paddy Dillon, um, and all of those other similar organisations based in Europe and the UK and the States are well ahead of Australia. Um, what do we have? Yeah, Theatre Green Book, Julie's Bicycle, um, Broadway Green Alliance, Canadian Green Alliance uh, have been around for a very long time and Australia does not have an equivalent. Um, but they are really, really amazing because they've managed to get a foot in the door with not only government and government organizations and funding bodies, but also with the main stage companies in basically all of those regions. Um, they've run consultancies with them and have now made massive, massive resources that have been rolled out or starting to be rolled out as industry standard, which is incredible. Um, full disclosure, STA has taken a lot of uh, information and resources from uh, Theatre Green Book and Julie's Bicycle and all of those organizations because we're not experts by any stretch. They've done all the work and, and we've had some communication with them and they're very, very generous. And they're like, hey, we've done a lot of the legwork. Why should you do it again? Absolutely use it. There have been some discussions about potentially making an Australian version of the Theatre Green Book. But what Theatre Green Book does is make these incredibly comprehensive guidebooks um, that can be rolled out as industry standard. They do it in consultation with the really big companies and the government bodies um, 
and firms that can really come in and do proper audits who have the resources to do all of that kind of stuff that we currently don't. But they are, to to be clear, they're looking at the same sorts of things that you've been talking about, right, in terms of yep. capturing things like transportation of how people are getting there, maybe energy usage in the space that you're using, big focus on materials that are being used, um, like costumes mm. and props and whatnot in the show itself. It's the, it's the yep. same sort of stuff, right, that you're doing. It's just perhaps to a, um, you know a deeper level with those more resources and they've been around long enough to bed in and sort of form those those practices. Yes, yes, absolutely correct. Um, they have incredibly detailed books about it from basically for each department um, that's involved in theatre. Um, and they, yeah, go into things like what are the most toxic or hazardous materials to use? These are the specific brands of lighting rigs and wow. AV desks. They're like it's The detail is incredible. Can I ask, um, this is a big zoomed out question now, what do you see the role of art being in the world at the moment as we enter into this very real period of pretty serious environmental and climate upheaval? Yeah, it's a massive, massive question. Um, But art has a massive role to play. I think over the last couple of years through the pandemic, people have really realised how integral art is to their well-being and to their lives. Through the pandemic, we didn't have much, but we had Netflix, we had books, we had movies, we had music. And I think it's pretty fair to say for most people, it would have really sucked. Pandemic and lockdowns would have really sucked without all of that. Um, Art has a really massive role to play in stabilising societies, in times of upheaval. I think one of the things, biggest things that art can give uh, society in this period of climate change upheaval is hope and community. Um, it's so easy when something like this comes along, whether it's you know war or political unrest or anything else like that it's so easy to turn on someone else and to shut our like put our blinders on and only look inwards and only care for ourselves and art has a massive role to play in pulling off those blinders and showing you the rest of the world and hopefully encouraging empathy and and self-reflection um it's very hard to quantify, obviously. You can't say exactly what that gives, but I I really do believe that art has a really, really strong place at the centre of climate change advocacy and encouraging community resilience because artists will be the ones who help society process all of this. Like, you watch the news, you're not going to going to know what to do when you hear that there's food shortages or when you hear that some new natural disaster has affected X number of people. You can't process like that. What you need is you need to talk to people. You need to see people process. And that's what art does. I also think advocacy is a massive area that art has a, has a role. Uh, we're communicators, we're storytellers and humans don't change behavior or change their minds based off fact like it just doesn't work it never really has it's very unreliable you need emotion and that's that's our bread and butter yeah how can we help and empower artists 
to make their practice more environmentally friendly and engage with things like climate advocacy and uh, and climate action? Um, I think probably first and foremost is you can't change what you don't know. Sustainability is just not a part of arts education. Um, they're completely separate things, at least in Australia. Um, and again, that's beginning to change. NIDA is doing some amazing stuff. Um, they now have a sustainability manager who basically looks at all of their curriculum um, and all of their like external stakeholders and engagements um, from a sustainability perspective, which is really amazing. Um, and they're really in, trying to integrate it into their um, creative projects that they give their students. So it's starting, it's starting to shift. But I think, yeah, artists need to be given the tools and the resources for affirmative action. And they will do it. Like, artists are, generally speaking, I think some of the most socially aware and passionate people. They understand the human condition, they're empathetic, and they get what it's like. A lot of them have come to the arts because they've come from marginalised communities or vulnerable communities, and they come and they find community themselves within the arts. So they know what it's like. You give them the tools and they will get to work, but they need to be given the tools. And that's, again, what STA we're trying to do a little bit here is just give, like, the basics to get people started, to make it less intimidating and less overwhelming and really just spell it out without trying to teach you too much. Just be like, do this, this, this. If you can't do these, just do that. And that's great, you know? Like, only do what you can. You feel like it's possible. You don't need to change your entire practice overnight. Just little steps. They're probably the main ones. I would say is like, yeah, education tools and resources. In addition, we need to be able to reframe sustainability as central to creativity, not as something you add on after the fact. So you're thinking about a creative project and you're like, okay, well, this is the money and the time and the people I have. And these are my sustainability parameters. What can I do? Because Artists are incredible at thinking outside the box and coming up with creative solutions to problems. That's what makes indie artists, in particular, in my opinion, so incredible. Like, they have so many things put in their way and they find ways to look at those and be like, actually, I can turn that into an opportunity. That's probably the main ones, I would say. Oh, and just, you know, extra time. Yeah. Time's always great. Because funding rounds, for instance, often are very quick, short and sharp and ask you to jump in and tell us how your project's sustainable. And you're like, well, I have no time to think about that. Like, totally. And then you've given me no support to think about it in that way. Um, so, yeah, they would probably be my main ones. Christian, should we raise a coffee cup to the indie artists? Here's to them and the uh, incredible part that they have to play in our, in our climate future. Thank you so much for having a talk to me today and for the amazing work that you're doing with Sustainable Theatres Australia. It's really cool to see. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Tim. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Artcast Aotearoa, supported by Creative New Zealand and music by Pickle Darling. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it around. Ka kite.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.